Hey everyone, it's Henry, Mike, and Chris of the Decentralists, and it's Hot Topic Time once again. This one is rather interesting. I read just a day or two ago in The Guardian that Facebook is threatening to leave the EU, to leave Europe. Mike, Chris, Chris, why don't you start? Because I know that you were the one who sent me this article. Yeah, Henry. So the Irish Data Protection Commissioner uh, has enforced a ban on data sharing with the U.S. Um, the fear, of course, is that everything that is posted to Facebook uh, is shared with U.S. intelligence agencies. And the European Court of Justice found that uh, Facebook's safeguards were insufficient to protect against uh, intelligence snooping by the U.S., Wow. Do you think that happens? It must, huh? Jeez, ask Edward Snowden. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as a result um, of, uh, of Europe saying, hey, the, you know, these safeguards are inefficient and insufficient, Facebook saying, hey, we might leave the EU. We might pull out of this uh, 500 million population strong zone and uh, just pack up and leave. They can't be serious. Of course, they aren't serious, but uh, it's an interesting twist on the weaponization of our data. Ah, right. Think about it. I mean, up to this point, we've talked about this before, and it's sad that we have to talk about it again, frankly. But this is this is the social media company threatening to leave, right? Not the the country threatening the social media company with a, yeah, with a yeah. ban or a shutdown. Weaponization, boy, that's, that's big. Totally. And, and I mean, you know, you think about it, it was bad enough, okay? It's bad enough that we have, uh, you know, that, that influencers or even just regular people, hey, like us with Twitter, build a network, build influence, build a community on a platform to have at the geopolitical level, the plug pulled out. Right. TikTok's yep. banned. All these influencers are basically going nuts, right? Because their community and their, their livelihoods are gone. And yet here we've got Mark Zuckerberg, who already, you know, is basically the kingmaker for any political um, election on this planet. He's now positioning himself as the, like, as if he wasn't already the kingmaker for influence, for advertisers. I mean, he's if he pulls out of the EU because because the EU says the 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 US data privacy laws are not sufficient to protect the data, he is literally taking, you know, kind of given the finger to all of his advertisers, to all of the community that those advertisers have built in Europe, to everybody in Europe who uses Facebook to communicate with their friends and family and, you know, schedule their hockey team practices and things oh, like yeah. this. He, he's literally now saying, well, now if, 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 if I can't have what I want, I'm going to make sure none of you get what you want. <laughs> Schoolyard time. Totally. Mike, this is a game of chicken that Facebook has been playing with the EU for 10 years. This court ah. case that Facebook has been fighting with, with Ireland um, has been going on for for uh, for about that long, and Facebook hasn't changed uh, their stance. Ireland hasn't changed their stance. The EU hasn't changed their stance. Nobody wants to give. Right. So, uh, how does this get resolved? Well, I mean, 
I, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's, there's actually, I, I think the reason why you've got a decade long game at, of, of chicken is because basically this is, you know, there's also been this undercurrent, you know, how Apple had that uh, tax suit, you know, where Ireland basically said, you don't have to pay corporate tax and the EU said, yes, you do. And all this kind of stuff. Right. This yeah. is, uh-huh. this is potentially just, you know, it's, it's, it's setting the foundation. Okay, if the EU basically says you need to obey our privacy laws, right? Because this is the way that that the governments in in their regulatory shortfall, this is how they deal with things like the recent attempts to tax social media companies for the, you know, for the services they provide and the revenue they generate in countries. So what you do is if if you can't get you know, the French tried to kind of put a tax on Facebook's revenue in France and Donald Trump the next day basically threatened to to put a 100% tax on wine and cheese, right? And, and this is because the French are saying it's French citizens' data that it's French citizens that you're making money off of. It's French citizens' data. We're going to put a wall around France like they have a right to do and say, you got to store your data here. And the moment that you do that, Facebook knows they walk into a trap where now they're, they're going to have to... Sp- when you when you can clearly point to a pool of data that belongs to EU citizens with it is stored within the EU on EU servers, not in the US on Facebook servers, but on in the EU on EU Facebook servers, they can now meter that and charge them a tax. Right. It's all about the money. It has never been about anything else. I guarantee you, if Zuckerberg didn't make a dime off of political wrangling and influence and all of this. He wouldn't. He wouldn't be involved in this in this political quagmire that he's in right now over uh, you know advertising on Facebook. So Nick Clegg, um, who is Facebook's head of global affairs and communications, uh, he's kind of banging the drum about the worst case scenario. He's saying that if the EU's privacy protections go through, uh, any startup based in Europe will no longer be able to use uh, a U.S.-based cloud provider. Ah, <laughs> right. Mike, do you, do you think that the, this is just saber rattling or does he have a point? Um, you know, why any, like, I, I think, I think the fact that the fact that the cloud, okay, this, these cloud providers that I think it's bluster. I frankly, I think it's bullshit. Okay. One of, I, I used to do business and, you know, most of us have been involved in business in the cloud. Okay. I used to sell a solution that was cloud-based and that's, and one of the big things that the cloud providers always tout when they're in there selling their, you know, Salesforce or their office 365 subscriptions or their Azure and AWS implementations, they always make a point of saying that you can, you, if you choose you can have your data reside in one of their data centers in your country and or continent. Okay. So there is an AWS cloud, probably more than one in Europe. And there's a big Google one in Europe and there's a big, you know, all of them have this. Oh yeah. They're all there. Of course. And so what, so any U S cloud service provider, right. Clearly can have their data stored in a EU based version of, of Azure. Right, if they if they want to, so so basically, that's it, what Nick Clegg is saying is is completely, you know, the opposite of what the marketing material for the cloud provider says. Exactly. Right. This is why I think it's it's just bullshit. Frankly, um, it's 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 a it's an attempt to protect a sizable chunk of revenue. 
And more importantly, if you think about it, it's, it's also an attempt to um, preserve Facebook's and Mark Zuckerberg's control over the social media landscape. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he's, I think it's a test. You know, he's been faced recently, right? Back in June and July, and even, you know, it's still going on with these bans. People are saying, I'm, I'm leaving Facebook because I don't agree with what they're doing, you know, with, uh, with, pol- with politics and political advertising and, and misinformation and stuff. And so they're leaving. And this is him kind of slapping them back. And saying, you guys, you guys, okay, I've taken it for long enough. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to threaten to pull out of a huge market. And he's betting, just like he said, when people started, the advertisers started leaving, he said, they'll be back. This is his way to, this is his way to put a gun to their head and bring them back to the table. Well, remember Chris said it's, it's, it's a big game of chicken, but you know, realistically, um, the idea is, is that we've, what we're into is a situation where Donald Trump opened Pandora's box, starting with Huawei. And what do you mean by that exactly? Well, he, you know, this was, this was the, the Trump administration went after a technology company that was running an independent business, selling to people all over the world and basically threatened everybody with sanctions if they didn't stop using their equipment. Right, for the 5G and everything. For the 5G, okay? Yep. And then that, that kind of started a, a cascade effect where, um, you know, you've got India banning TikTok over border wars, and I think now it's up to 120 different Chinese apps, right? You've got the TikTok ban in the United States. Um, you know, there's, there's now there's Facebook moving out of the EU. I mean, this is... This weaponization. Has, this is weaponization. And so it's almost like, you know, this Pandora's box was a box of, of our data was this, like the surveillance capital business model was stuffed into that box. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And now they've opened it up and basically a proven to all of us, proven to all of us, the true value of data. Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean, if, if Donald Trump can wade in and start banning like social media apps, um, be, because, uh, you know, in order to gain headlines to, you know, deflect attention, well, that shows you how valuable these social media apps are. So Mike, I, I just want to say that we can't forget Mark Zuckerberg's hand in all of this because Mark Zuckerberg, uh, as reported by the wall street journal reportedly warned president Trump about the rise of Chinese tech firms and specifically pointed out uh, TikTok as a threat. Oh, competitor. Yeah, can't help it, but feel that Zuckerberg may have had a little bit of uh, self-interest in that warning. Gee, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's that's not that. I mean, this just can't happen. I mean, you can't you can't you can't have one human being having lunch with one other human being. And then basically 2 billion people's, you know, networks lie in the balance, right? Exactly. I mean, not everybody can, how do you, you know, Chris, thankfully you backed up, um, you know, manually, I might add our, uh, Twitter followers, you know, somehow with some foreshadowing a week before we got banned. Right. But Mm -hmm. how does, how does somebody like a Kim Kardashian with, you know, 6 million followers do that on Facebook before she gets banned? Or before it gets it gets pulled out of the EU, 
She has to hire a lot of fo- <laughs> a lot of personal assistants. Man, Fiverr's going to make a lot of people rich. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is this is a big problem. Uh, um, it's another facet in this weaponization. This this Pandora's box. It is it is something that you know we we've already you know people are already feeling a lack of control they're feeling a lack of control over you know their their political leanings they're feeling a lack of control over you know what if this pandemic is real or not they're oh, feeling yeah. a lack economy. of economy economy racism whatever you want to say okay all of these things are are basically things where everybody feels powerless right and so what they do is they tend to 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 look to their governments to help them through regulation Right. And, and this is what this is. This is a, like Chris said, a 10 year game of regulatory chicken where the, the social media companies are now saying enough's enough. We can play that game too. And so now you've got, you've got geopolitical weaponization. Mm-hmm. You've got, um, you know, fiscal weaponization. You've got data weaponization. I mean, it's coming from all angles. I don't know how people are going to cope. Okay. So, Mike, Chris, we know what's going on. world has never seen this before. I want to hear from both of you individually. How do you think it's going to play out? How do you think it's going to end? And I have a feeling that a lot of it will sort of have sway or be impacted by the upcoming election. Who wants to go first? Chris, take it. Absolutely. So... Henry, what Facebook reminds me of is uh, Harley Davidson in the 1980s. And I know that sounds like uh, a, a far-fetched comparison, but bear with me for, the, for, for a moment. Um, if you recall, in the 1980s, um, Harley Davidson was facing a threat uh, from Honda over yeah. their motorcycles. Okay? Yeah. Honda the had, Japanese. Exactly. Right. Honda had a, a better bike. They had a cheaper bike. They had a, a better engineered bike right they they had a bike that consumers overall wanted more than than a harley davidson so harley davidson went to ronald reagan and they said hey these japanese motorcycle manufacturers they're they're a threat we need to do something about them Hmm. so ronald reagan signed into into law basically that uh that these honda bikes were going to be uh tariffed okay so Honda was forced to charge more for their bikes than they would basically because uh, Harley Davidson saw them as a, a, a threat and, and they didn't, they basically didn't want to compete with them over products. So they competed with them uh, through regulatory measures. Yeah, right. Exactly. So between 1980 till now, nothing changed at Harley Davidson. They didn't change their product. They didn't change their marketing. They didn't change who they marketed to. And as a result, right now, Harley-Davidson is reaping what they've sown. That's true. That's true. Okay? Right. So the average age of the Harley-Davidson rider is getting older and older. It was uh, 30-somethings were buying Harley-Davidson in the 1980s. Nowadays, um, it's 60-somethings. Huh. Right, who are bar- buying Harley Davidsons? They're, they're, the the Harley Davidson buyer hasn't changed, and if right. things keep going on the way they are with Harley Davidson, basically uh, the Harley Davidson buyer is just going to 
to die out and uh, Harley Davidson's going to age out of the business. Meanwhile, Honda is still selling bikes and Honda's uh, buyers keep getting younger and younger. Mm-hmm. Okay, so relate that to Facebook then. Absolutely. So nothing much has changed with Facebook. Facebook's audience is is getting older and older. Facebook's functionality hasn't changed much. Bingo. Here's the other. Here's the other problem. If if uh, Facebook is you know is deciding, hey, we can't uh, out innovate them. We're going to out regulate them. <laughs> well right. done. You know, in thirty years, in thirty years, mark my words, perhaps even sooner. Facebook is going to regulate itself out of existence. Wow. Okay. What do you think, Mike? Well, you know, I think you're right, Henry. I think the election is going to have some effect, but I'm kind of, I kind of am concerned that it won't have much effect. Okay. I think that, um, you know, there is a certain um, level of interest amongst all people who are in power or who are looking to get into power to have an economic lever to get into power. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's harder to go out as a politician and, you know, kind of put a platform and a message, an honest platform and a message in front of an electorate and have, and change their minds, right. And mobilize voters and things than it is to just, spend a hundred million dollars on micro targeted ads on a social platform. Oh, very good point. Okay. And to Chris's point, you know, one of the things with Facebook, and this may not actually be a coincidence, right? I mean, Donald Trump won 2016 with a lot of the demographic that is current Facebook users, mm-hmm. right? Older social media users were, are on Facebook. Like that's Chris's point. Right. And so Donald Trump is, has really done not a lot of interest in stopping Facebook, especially he doesn't care about TikTok. Let's remember, Hey, we're weaponizing yeah, TikTok is a social platform targeted at 14 year olds. Right. Who don't vote to Chris's point about Harley, about Harley Davidson and Honda, right? Donald Trump is what? 72 or 70, something like this. You know, he's maybe if, if he goes by the constitution, which is always going to be a dice roll, he's, he, he's got one more term if he wins. So none of these average age TikTok users is going to be voting. He's 74, by the way, 74. So he's going to be 78. If he, if he gets another term, God forbid. Okay. He's not going to, he's not going to get another term after that. And you know, none of these TikTok users are, are going to be able to sway fundamentally the election and the electoral college vote because they can't vote. Right. Right. But they will next time. Right. And so he's just going to squash them now. And, and it's not a coincidence that, 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 you know, Zuckerberg has lunch in the, in the white house with Donald Trump a couple of times. Has Dorsey been there? I guarantee he hasn't. Have the guys from Reddit been there? Nope. He sure, certainly isn't lunching with Tim Cook or the guys from Google. Right. So it's, it's clearly, it's a platform that he's familiar with that he knows he can use and that it that can be, can, can gain, give him some kind of political gain. And so I think the danger to me is that it's the same feeling on the other side. Okay. If you're Joe Biden and his campaign, you may have a different message that you put through social media, right? But you still are using social media 
as a way to influence people's opinions. And that's way easier than paying door knockers to walk down streets like they used to. Oh yeah. And then door knockers can't even go out now because of COVID. Because of COVID, right? So I, I personally think there's a vested interest in the li- in the levers of power to continue this, this debate over regulation, right? I mean, Facebook voluntarily stands up at the end of the, you know, you know when Chris mentioned the, the Nick Clegg, um, he, he put a, a press release out, right? Which is what spawned this whole, we're leaving the EU thing. Yeah. And what he said in there is Facebook invites regulators to create a regulatory environment that everybody can follow, mm-hmm. right? They actually want that because they're whispering in the ear of the guy that will create that regulation. Yes. Right? So this is what I mean by, you know, going back to this idea of a Pandora's box. Now that this is out in the open, you know, if I'm, if, if Trump loses and I'm Joe Biden, are they whispering in my ear? Probably. <laughs> and so, you know, and I think the thing to remember, you know, with this TikTok and Huawei and all this other stuff is the one thing that's common in this in this thing. And, and there's been some articles I just recently, I, you know, I read The Economist, right? And there's a big, a big uh, set of articles in it about it, the new Cold War. There's a new front in the Cold War between the U.S. and China. It's no longer the U.S. and Russia like it used to be when we were kids, Henry. Mm-hmm. You know, and... The, the, you know, you, you can easily say not, no TikTok, no Huawei, no WeChat, all this stuff, because it's Chinese, because it's them, it's us and them. That's the way they used to talk about the Soviet union in the United States. Exactly. Right. And so I think that, that, that there is, you know, what, what needs to happen is, is people need to start stepping into this, right? People need to start expressing concern that their personal data is being used against them. People need to start telling their politicians it's unacceptable for them to transmit their message over social media. They need to start telling people, and I'm going to say fairly, both Facebook and the Irish um, you know, Information Security Commissioner, that it's unacceptable to just have this reality where one day you're going to wake up and, your face, and Facebook is gone, right? That, that can't be allowed to happen. But the the solution isn't regulation. The solution is a groundswell of public opinion expressing um, concern over the the weaponization of their data and then doing something on an individual level to prevent it. It's the same argument. If you're sitting there in the United States and you don't want Donald Trump to be president, then you have one obligation and that's to get out and vote for somebody else. And so as long as we're in this this, uh, world where individual internet users are sitting at home waiting for the government to make a decision to protect them, we're in for a really, really, really long and depressing ride. Absolutely. You know what we need? We, we, these, these users at home all over the world, they need a new democratic social media platform. And really, Mike, let's do it. Absolutely. We're starting with the Fediverse, okay? But we're going to make it better. We're going to give. We're going to take it one step further and give people not just control over their own Twitter and and Facebook and other alternatives. We're going to give them control at their individual level, and now empower everybody to decide how this world works and take our data away so it can't be turned into a weapon. Retain your own data. Absolutely.
Gentlemen, that was really, really interesting. Uh, we are obviously going to be expecting some crazy times in the next few months and beyond. Thank you so much for your insights. Uh, made me really think. Mike, thank you. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you, Henry. Okay, take care, Henry.